we welcome you and are excited that we get to dive into the final talk of this series through Philippians. Today's talk call, is called uh, Through Christ, I guess, if it needed a name. And we've been talking about, for the last, this is the ninth week, we've been talking about what it is to be a living expression of Jesus. And Paul, the author of this book, is writing to a church he started uh, out of nothing, out of scratch. There was not one follower of Jesus in the Philippian community, and he began to share about this Savior who came to seek and save the lost, and that there was grace for all people through a relationship with him, and began to dialogue with people by a river, and those people who were talking about Jesus became a church, and it raised up, and he left them and began to travel sharing in other communities, but this church did something no other church did. They came alongside his ministry as he went on and partnered with him, and we're going to read about that in the conclusion of Philippians today in uh, Philippians 4, verse 10. It'll be on the screen, or if you're following along on the app, it's right inside there. It says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you've done well to share with me in this present difficulty. As you know, the Philippians uh, were the only ones who gave me financial help when I was first, when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help more than once. I don't say this because I want uh, a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I, I, gener I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Ap Epaphroditus. There's the name I gave Jaden to preach about a couple weeks ago. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Wow, what, what a rich ending to a book. And, and we're going to dive in, and how do you not give the big idea the power verse, right? In this segment of text, you can do everything through Christ is our big idea today. You can do everything through Christ. And do we really believe that, right? You can do everything 
through cracks. One of the most important verses that you should definitely have highlighted or underlined and, and, and bookmarked however you read the Bible. Uh, you know, save it on your U version because you're going to need that someday to know you can do everything through Christ. Jesus gives you the strength to do anything. And how much more when you know you have a community of followers of Jesus who are concerned for you. Did you hear how Paul opened that? You are concerned about me again. Isn't it fun to walk into a room and just know, man, these people love me. They're concerned. And sometimes we don't all know what each life is going through. But when you walk through the door and somebody's like, mm, it means it, it, it's a lot that you're here. And to see what, what God would do in people's lives when a message of grace and compassion is shared on their life. I hope you sense that when you walk through the doors of open life. And uh, the power of, of, of people who are concerned for one another is something that I just read that and was messed up this week, you know? To think of how many people walk into a room and they don't feel that way. Maybe they feel looked down on or judged or less than somebody else. And, and uh, that's not what God created followers of Jesus for. He created followers of Jesus to, to love people, no matter the season they're in. As we just sang, in the highlands or the valleys, just the same. We're to be those who are concerned for one another, that can encourage one another, hey, you can make it through this. All things are possible through Christ. And when someone, I mean, we know whether we believe this or not, like we could put ourselves to the test. We know whether we believe this or not. If we believe God could save the farthest of sinners, right? Have you ever just kind of thought, man, if somebody was going to make a decision to follow Jesus and can make a big impact for Jesus, it would be, and you kind of think of somebody. Have you ever been in a scenario where somebody's challenged you to do that? And you're like, maybe if you get somebody to follow Jesus and go all in with Jesus who thinks that uh, they're God and confesses that they're God, right? And you're going, wow, that person may need Jesus a little bit, right? And so, uh, and then all of a sudden they follow Jesus. What's our first response? Do we believe that God can do all things through Christ? Well, that's the cool thing about this. Uh, this week, we're, the, the Christian community is put to the test. I don't know, you've probably seen some social posts about it or whatnot, but uh, this week, Kanye West released a Christian album, right? And it's been controversial to some people, I guess. But here's the cool thing is I listened through the lyrics of this, this album. Listen to this. This is crazy. He said, said I'm finna, I don't know what finna means, but I'm gonna, I said I'm finna do a gospel album. <laughs> oh man. What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me, make it feel like nobody loved me. They'll be the first ones to judge me, feeling like nobody loved me. Told people God was my mission. What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first ones to judge me, 
make it feel like, like nobody loved me. Well, that's not, that's not what Paul told the church to do. That is not the instruction of being a living expression of Jesus. That we would make people prove that their decision with Jesus is authentic is no bueno. That is not good. We, we must love better than this. When somebody walks into the church, they should know without a shadow of a doubt that there's a people that are for them. And I listened to the lyrics of this album this week, and I may, it's, I mean, it's not the kind of album you'd think you'd cry to, <laughs> but I may have shed more tears listening to that than I did watching the first Christmas Hallmark last night. So anyway, I'm just saying, couldn't figure out who guy number one or guy number two was, but there was a gingerbread house, and anyway, spoiler alert, um, gotta love Hallmark season. 40 of these I'm going to sit through in a girl with just way too many ladies. So that's how it works in our house. It's my entertainment for the next half a year. Uh, <laughs> Paul was challenging the church to be concerned for one another by giving thanks, right? What you, what you applaud gets reproduced. And he is applauding a church for being concerned for him. And he begins to reflect on how they were concerned for him. And out of concern, he experienced blessing from them. And, and you, this just beautiful thing comes together. And, man, I think that's a great word for Christians to be characterized by. Like, well, they're concerned for me. Like, they love me. People should sense this. And it's a powerful thing when people can walk into a room and know that they belong before they behave. And uh, such a beautiful picture of this Paul's getting in, in a very different lens, right? And uh, he says, I can do everything through Christ is his conclusion of the season he's in. And, and he wants to give some instructions of how you can do everything through Christ. And so that's where we get our three thoughts today. The first instruction he gives them is he tells them to learn to live in every situation. Learn to live in every situation. Situation. We live in a world that gives up on living too quickly. That calls it quits real early. Surely you've heard some of the statistics. I know uh, there's a thing called the Healthy Youth Survey where schools will give students an opportunity to share how they're doing anonymously in different areas. And, and then they'll accumulate all these stats based off of these surveys. And, and one of them indicated in, in this school district, the Sumner Bonnie Lake School District, that over 40% of our youth have at one season or another been so depressed and so down that they stopped doing normal activities for more than two weeks. They just wanted to, to give up. Anxiety is at an all-time high. And you talk to administration, and they would share it's not just the students. Adults are stressed out. There's worry in homes. There's worry in life. There's stress there. People are overwhelmed as well. And 
It's, we all are going to go through tough seasons, and too many in those seasons call it quits, and we read about it on the headlines. And John 16, says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. This one who gives us strength, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This one who gives strength has overcome whatever season you're facing. We just need to go at that season through Jesus. Live to learn in every situation or season. Paul had not only learned how to make it, he was content with how he made it. Like he was content with plenty or with lack. Are you at peace with yourself when you're without? I was hearing this one um, challenge. It may have been a TED Talk or something. I listened to too many podcasts and leadership things. I couldn't remember who said it. So I'll just, just go with it, right? Uh, but he was challenging people about their identity. And reality is, as a follower of Jesus, when you make a decision, okay, I'm, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus, then you're identified, Scripture says, as a child of God. You're, you're a co-heir with Jesus of heaven, like you're in the family of God. And there's this awesome reality to that, like our identity. Who are you? Well, I'm a, I'm a child of God. And we teach kids that, and we sow that into their lives at young age. You're, you're a child of God. God loves you, and, and we're building them up with that truth. But we need to know that, right? Because we so easily can put our identity in a job or a neighborhood we live in. Students can put their identity in the school they go to or the group that they're a part of. Um, you know, we, as parents, our identity can get wrapped up in our kids. What sports club they're a part of, how much they won by, what their stats were. And you just watch this chase we do and, 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 um, uh, of identity in things other than our identity is, is through Christ. We're a child of God. And God sent his son to save you from having to find your life in things and positions. And, and, and you could put your faith in Jesus and, and overcome those things. You could live through any scenario because your identity is in Christ. That gives us such strength. Or it should you are not what you do or where you're from or what neighborhood you live in. Your identity is in Christ as a follower of Jesus. And, and so that's why we challenge people and give opportunity to choose Jesus. And we invite other people to come and find their way back to Jesus. No matter your circumstances. I, I love how Paul puts it here. I have learned how to live. The church is here so that if you're overwhelmed, you can find life to the full through a growing relationship with Jesus. You can access that peace he talked about in John 16 there. God has peace for you. And as followers of Jesus, 
we get to live life to the full, even through the darkest of seasons, the highlands or the valleys, just the same. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Thought two, kindness is not without reward. We are reading a lot about kindness in this text, and Paul's talking about the generosity of the Philippian church and, and how they're practicing kindness in action even when other churches did not, and how, to, how this impacted the, the ability for him to propel the gospel, and sometimes with great opposition as he's writing this from prison. Paul was grateful for the faithful, generous giving of the Philippian church. And I think sometimes we can even as followers of Jesus for years think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm giving. And, and sometimes it becomes out of obligation instead of overflow. Enough to share with others, Paul challenged us there, right? And I'm just going, Lord, help us to realize what we're giving towards and the difference we're making in community. Paul, in context, was what we would call today a missionary. In fact, he was like a traveling missionary from, from place to place, starting churches. And, and so he was getting the support from these churches that he began to go along with him on this journey. He was being supported by donors in a church that had a passion for what he was doing, and he was taking the gospel to unreached people groups. We support missionaries here as well. And we partner with missionaries here as well. That's why we're going back to missionaries we support in the Dominican Republic this July 7th through the 15th to serve their mission and vision. People that go to the ends of the earth to take the gospel with them. So the same thing was happening here and Paul was, was being supported and thanking them for these funds that were coming to him. And not just funds, bodies, people that were on mission with his mission the mission that God had given him to start churches. So the reward was great for these people who were investing in him. And he wanted to thank them, not to initiate an additional gift, as he made clear in the middle of that passage. But he just wanted them to understand there's rewards with generosity. And not only were they generous in offerings, they were generous with their time in addition to their offerings. They were giving sacrificially to him. And Paul was desiring that they understand the blessings and the rewards that go along with generosity. I think it's cool that he unpacks that for them. Luke 6, 38, Jesus kind of explained it to his disciples as well. He said, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. And the amount you give will determine the amount you give back. He was encouraging a culture of generosity. And we believe, we believe in everything being shared here. As a church, we, we challenge in, in season for people to give 10% of their income. It's called a tithe, right? It's what we read scripture challenging us to do. So we give generously 10% of our income to the Lord and, and challenge you to reach a place of surrender in your finances to do the same. 
But above and beyond that, we support our missionaries. We support our, our local initiatives like food banks and events like the Community Big Give and pray what we can do to make a difference financially in the community. Not to obligate people, but to access a new reward of our faith, like our faith being active. Realizing kindness comes with reward. We don't give for reward, but it just comes with it. And so we have a lot. We've said, man, at Open Life, it's tough. It's tough to attend Open Life if you're not generous, <laughs> honestly, because we just have this culture of giving to our community, and, uh, and we see the benefits of it and the reward of it and the favor of it and the life's transformed because of it. It's just kind of modus operandi. And, and God put teaching of generously all through, generosity all throughout Scripture because he wants to reward our, his kids. We're his kids if we follow Jesus, right? He just wants to bless us. Isn't it moving when you have a child and that child takes something that is fully theirs and they decide to surrender that to somebody who needs it? And you're just like, here's some more, right? It's moving when you see that. They get, they get the sucker, but they see somebody else who wants a sucker and they walk over and they, they give the sucker instead. I just, I love watching moments of generosity occur and so does God and he pours out generously into our life and what they're supporting with Paul here is the spreading of the gospel and I think we need to understand that what we support through our generosity is not just social impact it's the gospel being shared in community that's what we're able to do through ministry through church through missions The reward comes back to the receiver. And I would imagine those in the Philippian church that, that were participating in giving were like receiving this letter when it was read to them, to the Philippians, which this is a letter from Paul back to them. And they're reading this and they're going, mmm. But you know there's some in the Philippian church that were like, oh, snap. I didn't send anything with Epaphroditus. The reward, I'm missing out on something that I don't even know that I'm missing out on. And it'd be interesting to, to be in the tension of that seat, right? And I think that's what, what Paul wanted the church to sense. He wanted them to sense the reward, but he also wanted them to, to feel the tension that generosity creates so that he could challenge the church to be more blessed, Ultimately, Acts 20, verse 35 says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The reward really is to the giver. And I don't know how you practice that in your life or if you've yet to begin, but God has a door for like full living. And it's the door of generosity. It's the door of kindness and action. And uh, Paul's really driving that home in the middle of this text today. He wants us to come for the purpose of growing our faith. But he knows that he's going to be able to present to us opportunities to experience life to the full through our acts of generosity. When we get our first taste of the rewards that come with this kindness, 
you never want to stop. You become more generous. Uh, and you become like Rick Warren. I sat in a seminar with Rick Warren, and he gets up there, and he's talking about his Walmart watch and, and his goal in life. His goal in life was to, to give like as much back to the ministry as possible. And through his books that were written and everything, he eventually was able to write a check for all that he had ever been paid by his church back to his church. He was able to give generously back. And he was giving, at the time I heard him at a, at a conference a few years ago, 90-some percent of his income that he was paid, he was giving back. Like, whoa, there's somebody who tasted the rewards, Right? How fun would that be to make that kind of an impact in the world? Well, Paul's thinking the Philippians because they were those people. Of all the churches that he went to, they were the generous ones that chased him down and kept supporting him. Thought three, God will supply all our needs. God's going to supply all of our needs. We should not live in doubt. Tangible and spiritual, both are being hit here. Both are in the intent of this text. Have you ever heard Christians say this weird phrase? And I remember hearing it as a new follower of Jesus, and I was like, what are they talking about? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You'd hear somebody say that, and you're just like, Okay, God's a farmer? You know, he's just weird. And I didn't realize they were actually talking about a scripture. You know, Psalm 5010 says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. What was God trying to share there? He was saying, hey, no matter what you're going through, I got you. Like every resource you see around here is mine. I put it into action. So if there is need in your world, I'm going to bring those around you to support you and be a supply for you, whether you're in plenty or whether you're in want. I'm going to bring need gifts at Christmas. I'm going to rally champions around you that are going to create giving trees, and they're going to give of their time to support you. You need meals at Thanksgiving? I'm going to rally 82 different organizations around a, a, a moment for people to acquire meals in a few different communities. You need support in a season of your life. There are champions I'm going to raise up. I mean, this wasn't new news, right? I mean, you can read through Scripture and see God is going to supply all your needs, whether it's water from a rock, food from ravens. These are all in the Scripture. Bread from heaven, multiplying fish and loaves. He can do everything. Therefore, for those of us who are living life through Jesus, we can do everything through Christ who strengthens us. It's an incredible promise. He's going to supply all of our needs, and he has every resource necessary to do it. He'll see to your spiritual needs as well as your tangible needs. If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling alone, he's going to surround you so you don't, so that you can understand somebody is concerned for you. You're not alone with your Bible in a dark corner or home. The Holy Spirit is with you. And not only that, the Holy Spirit's going to nudge others to come around you and support you in seasons of want. 
when we were going through the worship earlier. And I looked down here at the Jansen family. My heart was a little broken, I have to admit. Hearing the words of those songs through the lens of a family who lost their mom to cancer is brutal. And we love you guys, and we're concerned for your family. And we saw a demonstration of love in this community poured out for your family that is so cool. That's a gift of God watching over his kids. And what an honor it is for a God to come alongside and said, I'm going to be with you through this. I'm going to be with you through this. I love you. I'm for you. And I'm going to make a way for you to live life to the full. So I was being ripped apart, honestly, during worship. But that's what the church is for, is to be concerned for its people. When you mourn, we mourn. When you rejoice, we rejoice. And uh, that's how we are a living expression of Jesus to one another. And that's your challenge, your action point for this talk, this series, is be a living expression of Jesus. You belong to Christ. Be a living expression of Jesus in the world we live in. Live the generous life and watch God reward you, right? Be the first to love those who need it. Living for others will result in a life to the full that you cannot fathom. The worship team's gonna sing a song. I'm gonna pray for you and then we're gonna release early. It's donut day. You came to church on the right day. Donuts. But we're gonna love on one another. We need to know one another, be there for one another in every season of our lives. That's the church that Jesus came for, died for, rose from the grave for. One that doesn't let others go through life alone. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're with us no matter the season we're in. You allow us to be a living expression of you to the world around us. And as Paul experienced the encouragement of a, a church that was concerned for his ministry, may we be a group of people who are always concerned for one another and loving one another and lifting one another up. I thank you for a community that is so open to being served and loved and and a group of people so ready to do it and jump on it. But Lord, if somebody's here today walking in to the church and they're at a place in their life where they're just, man, I don't know where I'm at with Jesus. I'm struggling. I've yet to invite him into my life and I want this, this reward, this life to the full, this, this can do anything kind of spirit I've heard about today. If that's you, you can, you can change that. You can invite Jesus into your life today simply by, by praying with me here and saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to grow in relationship with you and know what it is to be a part of a, a family, be a part of those who love one another and are concerned for one another. 
I say yes to that and I choose to follow you, Jesus. For the rest of us, give us the strength to be there for one another no matter the season. Give us the words to say and not say in season. To love one another deeply and genuinely to make an impact in this world as a living expression of Jesus. In your name we pray.